Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. So uh, if you guys would open up in your Bible apps, go to the events section and follow along in my notes. That will be the most uh, coherent way of following along because the story is like 45 verses and uh, I kind of shortened it to about 25. So it's still a lot of reading, but bear with me, okay? John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man named Lazarus was sick. The town of, he was from Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. These things he said, and after that he said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, then he will get well. If he's sick and he goes to sleep, he'll be be well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of taking a rest in sleep, those silly disciples. Then Jesus said to them plainly, like now he's like, okay, you, you weirdos. Lazarus is dead. Okay? I am glad for your sake. Whoa, gee. That I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So when Jesus came to Lazarus, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha responded and said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her and said, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Lord God, I pray as we talk about this story and we we look at it, Lord, we want to first off believe as we go into this that this is not a fairy tale. This is not an interesting uh, story written by an author trying to drive a point home, Lord, but this is history. This is truth. We recognize that you have the power to raise dead things to life. And Lord, we ask for, for your presence and your power to meet us here this evening. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. The book of John, which uh, records this story in John chapter 11, was written for a a very specific purpose. The book of John was written uh, last out of all four Gospels and is is very unique with a lot of its content. Uh, People like to call the Matthew, Mark, and Luke Uh, the synoptics, for they kind of carry a lot of very similar stories, where the book of John uh, has a lot of very unique stories, okay? So you guys can hold that information in your head for whatever reason. Uh, John is writing, though, at at the end of kind of his life and much later than the other Gospels, and he's writing for a really specific purpose and a very specific audience, The audience that would be reading John's gospel that he initially wrote it to were people called Gnostics. Uh, Everyone say Gnostics. It starts with a G. Um, And and these people basically, if I could water it down really quick, they believed that Jesus was God. Okay? They believed Jesus was God, the Son of God. However, they did not believe in Jesus as a human. Okay, so we believe something that is completely crazy, okay? And in Christianity, we believe a lot of things that are completely crazy. One of them being that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is, all, he is fully God, but he's also fully a person, okay? He's fully God. He is God in play. He is God. And now he is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he is going to rule and reign, and he is God, but he also came in the form of a baby and grew up and was fully a person. And John, a lot of what he is writing about is so that people could understand the humanity of Jesus, the Son of God. Are you tracking with me? So Jesus is the Son. He is God, but he is also fully human. And as we talk about this story this evening, and we're talking about the road of suffering, or the way of suffering, we need to talk that the road of suffering leads Jesus through the valley of humanity. And Jesus has the full experience. Okay, a couple, maybe months ago, I don't know, time's crazy, I think it was a couple months ago, I was on an airplane. Okay, and I, and I walked onto the airplane, and I sit in my seat, and it's an aisle seat. Okay? My, my mom does all my bookings for me. right? She, my assistant does all my bookings for me because that is, is the most stressful thing in the world is booking a, a flight, I think. I've never even thought about trying. Uh, so I go, and I sit, and my mom says, would you like an aisle seat? And I say, boy, would I? I like the leg room. So I go, and I sit in my aisle seat. I, I'm very happy. I'm sitting there. Uh, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to watch a movie, and I get my AirPods out, and I'm like, dang it. 
I can't plug into that thing. And so, so I'm getting comfortable. And then all of a sudden, this woman walks down the aisle, and she has a golden retriever. Okay, it could be a yellow lab. I, I honestly don't know the difference. Then she, she has a, a dog that is yellow and big and fluffy. And, and she goes, and she sits in the middle seat. Okay? So I was sitting in the aisle, and I was very happy, and, and it was spacious. And then there was a guy in the window seat, and this lady comes, and she sits in the middle seat with the golden retriever. She's trying to, she's being, like, so extra. She's, like, trying to, oh, it doesn't fit under the seat, and, like, being so, and she looks at me, and she says, well, can I have your aisle seat so my dog could lay in the aisle? Now, at the time, I was reading this book that was, that was encouraging me uh, in my emotional health to really stand up for what I believe in, and, and, and I was inspired by the book. So I said, for the first time in my life, I was like, no, you can't. I booked it. My mommy booked me this seat, and I'm not going anywhere. So then she, she put up this big fuss. They, they close the door, and she stands up with her golden retriever, and she's running down the aisle. Please let me out. Please let me out. And, and it's like, whoa, everything's kind of crazy. They're, like, talking up there. Then all of a sudden, a flight attendant comes up, and she looks at me, and she says, hey, you, sir, and you in the, in the window seat, we have some extra seats in first class and you, have, you get to go sit up there. Yeah, come on. Amazing. So the lady gets to sit in the, the row all to herself with the dog underneath the seat. And I got to enjoy first class. It, wasn't, it was like a little bigger. You know what I mean? I've sat in bigger chairs, more space in my life, but whatever. The reason why I bring this up is sometimes we may think that Jesus' experience on earth was that of first class. Jesus came, and, and we think, you know, I deal with, with, uh, with sadness and with worry and with stress and with friendship conflict. And I deal with, with awkwardness with my parents and my family and with my siblings. And, and we think that we have all of this hard stuff that we deal with in our life, and Jesus cannot relate. Jesus' experience on life was first class. While we're having to actually sit in the seat with the golden retriever licking us for the five-hour flight. And we think that God cannot relate or sympathize with the things that we, we go through and the things that, that happen to us. And so as we look at this story and we see the humanity of Jesus in full effect, we need to understand that all of the hard things that we go through, all of the difficulty, all of the temptation, all of the worry, all of the fear, all of the, the sorrow, everything that we face, Jesus faced the same thing. And he conquered it. In Hebrews, the author tells us that we serve a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. For he was tempted as we were. And we need to understand that God understands and God can relate. And we see it in, in two words in, in John 11, verse, verse 35. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. As these people that John was writing to were reading the, the story and they, they looked at it, they would be like, wait, what? Jesus, the Son of God, is weeping? I don't understand. Like for us, like, yeah, we cry all the time like to put ourselves to sleep at night. <laughs> and, and we're like, why, why is Jesus weeping? Why is Jesus crying? What, what is happening to where it is, it is causing Jesus 
in front of people. It says that his spirit was groaning and he was weeping. Why did he do that? Well, he did it to demonstrate his humanity, to show his humanity. In, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, encouraging us to have the same mind of Christ, the mind of humility. He writes this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So he is saying that Jesus is God. But he also made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. When we look at the life of Jesus, we should be in awe of not only the fact that God himself wrapped himself in flesh and came down and walked in the dirt with with you and me, but he also humbled himself to the lowest place even of humanity. Jesus was not ashamed of his humanity. There's nothing more embarrassing than crying in front of someone. Even if it's like crying, like joy crying, it's like, gosh, this is embarrassing. Like when I was sitting and watching um, Inside Out, you know, and, and Bing Bong dies, and I'm like, dang. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, and, and like tear, and it's embarrassing. And in the story, we, it says that Jesus was groaning in his spirit, and he was weeping. Jesus not only was human, but he wore his humanity. And he was not ashamed to be associated with us. There's great significance in this section of scripture because it shows that Jesus is unashamed to be associated with humans like you and me. Jesus is proud to wrap himself in flesh and, and to be in relationship with us and to know us. We see that as Jesus is weeping near the tomb of Lazarus that he's not ashamed of his humanity we see that grief is okay, and we also see that faith and emotions are not mutually exclusive. Sometimes in our, in our relationship with God, we think that God is forming us to be these like stoic, emotionless creatures or robots. And we think that because we have faith, we can't be worried about our future. Or because we have faith, we can't grieve or be sorrowful over things that happen in our life. Sometimes we think that because we have faith, we can't ever cry or be worried or be sad. And Jesus demonstrates not only that God is in flesh, but God is wearing his emotions and walking through his emotions with great faith. And we need to be encouraged that as we have faith, our emotions are still living and still working. We're, we're still going to be sorrowful. Jesus is weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. Second, Jesus is weeping because he loves us, or because he loves. 
Earlier in the story, when Jesus is in uh, another town, he had actually just left this town of Bethany. And uh, the disciples tell us that the reason why he left was because people were wanting to kill him. And so uh, he, he leaves, and Mary and Martha uh, are with Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick, and then Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And the, the word that they send, the letter that they write to Jesus, it says this, Mary and Martha sends words to Jesus, says, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. Whom you love is sick. I think that that is a weird letter to write when your brother is dying. I, I was thinking if, if my brother Nate were dying, were sick and dying, and I had like a letter to write to Jesus, I don't think it would look anything like that. It would look like uh, uh, Jesus, Nate, you know, the, the, he's been a youth pastor for 10 years, and he serves you, and many people have come to know you because of him, and a ton of people have been discipled, and uh, he has led me to Jesus, discipled me. Like, he's done so much work for you. You know, Nate, I mean, I'm sure you know Nate. Like, like c come on, he loves you so much. And, and what they write is not how much Lazarus loves Jesus, but how much Jesus loves Lazarus. They say, Lord, Lazarus, who you love, remember, you love him. He's sick and he's dying. Jesus is never compelled to do anything for us because of how much we love him, but because of his love for us. The most famous verse in all of scripture, John 3, 16, says, God so loved the world. That, that the reason why he sent his son was not because we are good or cute or we work really hard or, or we have so much faith or we serve Jesus or we never swear, but it's because Jesus loves us. 1 John 4.10, it says this, in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. That we need to recognize everything that God has done is out of his own love for us. Sending his son, giving us scripture, revealing himself to us, creating us. All of these things that God has done, he has done for his love towards us. Now it's interesting if, if you guys want to talk about it, we can, I'm going to anyways. Uh, the, the letter or the word that Mary and Martha send to Jesus, uh, there's, a, there's four Greek words uh, that are used for love and they all mean different things. Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus, and they say, uh, uh, the Lazarus whom you phileo is sick. Now, the word phileo is where we get the word Philadelphia, or Philadelphia, we know that that is the city of brotherly love, right? It's like a fondness or a likeness towards someone. This person whom you love, who you're fond of, is sick. And later on in it, John gives us more insight onto the love that Jesus had for him. It says that Jesus agaped, agapeoed Lazarus. And this is a deeper love that was, that was uh, oftentimes it's used for God's love towards us. This kind of uh, greater love that, that, than we could ever do, than we could ever be. God loves us greater and I think it's important to point that out because Mary and Martha, they say, they understand that Lazarus is loved by Jesus, but they don't quite understand the magnitude of his love. 
And, and we sit here, we're like, yes, I know Jesus loves me, but we really don't understand the magnitude of his love for, the, for us. And, and he loves us, and he loves you. Kind of the, the moment when, when I decided to start taking Jesus or walking with Jesus seriously, I, I was in, in, a, in a Bible study, and, and the guy was talking about uh, the love that God had for the world. And I grew up in church, and I, like, understood. I'm like, yeah, God so loved the world. And, and he said something very simple. And he said, God loves the world, but he also loves you. And I was like, sometimes we can get lost in, in the size of his love or the quantity quantity of his love and miss out on the quality of his love for individuals. Jesus risked death going back into Bethany that he might have gotten stoned uh, uh, by, by someone else throwing rocks at him. And, and he went there to raise a sick man to life because he loved him. And if he would do that for Lazarus, he would do so much for you. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus was weeping beside the tomb of Lazarus, first because he, he, was, he was demonstrating humanity. And we understand that, that Jesus walked through life uh, as hard as we get it, Jesus had it. And, and he wore his humanity. He was bold and unashamed to be associated with us and to be acquainted with us. Also, we understand that he, he, he was weeping because he loved Lazarus. But really... Why was Jesus weeping? I, at the beginning of the story, Jesus hears word, and, and they say, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. And he says, okay, this sickness is not, until, un, uh, not unto death. Okay, that's fine. He's not going to die. And then later on, they're like, Lazarus is dead. He's like, huh, that's all right. He, he's sleeping. I'm going to go wake him up. He, and he's like, and the disciples are like, what do you mean? If he's, if he's sick and he's asleep, then he's going to be fine. He's like, oh, no, he's dead. But I'm going to go rise him, raise him from the dead. They're like, all right. Then Jesus gets there, and, and he starts talking, and he has this conversation with, uh, with Martha, and he says to her, uh, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus, from the very beginning, knew that Lazarus was not actually going to die. So why is he weeping? He's sitting beside the tomb uh, of his, his friend who he loves deeply, and he's sitting there, and he's crying over it. But he knows that he's going to raise him from the dead. Do you understand that this is weird? It, 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 Jesus is also not crying like, oh, <laughs> like laughing, like, oh, <laughs> like Jesus disciples. He's like, no, try to hold it together. This is a genuine cry that Jesus, the, the word that there, it says that he was groaning in his spirit. It was like this involuntary, emotional, just like overflow that he's groaning and he's weeping and he's truly weeping over the death of someone who he knows isn't really dead. What gives? 
Now, I can't say that this is 100% fact why Jesus was crying, but I, I can make a pretty compelling case. Jesus was groaning in the spirit and weeping because he was face to face with the very thing that he came to defeat. Jesus is sitting beside the, the tomb of Lazarus and he is with Mary and Martha who are weeping. And it says, when, when Jesus heard Mary weep, then he began to groan in the spirit and he began to weep. And the word groaning in the spirit oftentimes is translated to like an animal snarling, like, <clears throat> like that. And so Jesus is sitting there, he's like, <clears throat> and, and more than, than sadness, does it really talk about anger, that Jesus is overflowing with, with righteous anger as he looks at what death does to people. And he's looking at Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, they are weeping over the death of Lazarus. And, and he's looking and he, he sees the effects of death and he begins to weep. The worship team, you guys can come up here as I close. Jesus is, is looking at the effects of death and is beginning to weep. I imagine that Jesus isn't necessarily thinking about the future of their life with Lazarus not in the picture. I had a hamster that died when I was very young, and I couldn't, just, I couldn't fathom what my life was going to look like without Hurley, my hamster. And, and I don't think that Jesus was, was weeping over the, the thought of his future apart from Lazarus. Jesus was angry and overflowing with emotions because he was looking at, at the effect of death to Mary and Martha. Jesus came to earth to defeat death. But Jesus, he, he didn't actually defeat death on the cross. Because Jesus says it himself, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life doesn't need to have a wrestling match with death in order to accomplish it. Are you tracking with me? Jesus has the power over death, and he always has. From the beginning of time, Jesus is eternal. Jesus says, before Abraham, I am. It's a sentence that makes no sense. That Jesus always has been, and he has not, like, acquired power over the course of his life. Jesus ruled and reigned over death before the earth was even created. So Jesus isn't sitting there and crying like, oh, Lazarus is, is dead. But he is looking, and as he is seeing the effects of death, I imagine that he's, he's thinking of the cross. He's thinking of the, the pain and the sorrow that he is going to have to bear on the cross, not so that he can overcome death simply for himself, but so that he can overcome the sting of death for every single person. Jesus, is, I imagine, is sitting there looking at the effects of death and, and recognizing that's the very thing that I put on flesh to defeat. It's the very reason why I came here. 
why I was motivated by love and determined to wrap myself in humanity and to bear the sins of humanity and and to defeat death. And Jesus does it. Jesus shows us that he has the power over death. Just his words have the power over death. We don't need to love Jesus enough for him to overcome our sin and to give us eternal life. We see that Mary, uh, or excuse me, Martha has a conversation. Jesus says, do you believe me? And she says, Lord, I know you're going to raise him in the last day. He says, no, do you believe me? And she says, I believe you're the son of God. And then later on, he's going to do it, and she still doesn't believe. He says, didn't I tell you that if you believe? It's not that we faith enough. To, to be raised from the dead. It's not so that we need to believe in Jesus with no doubt thoughts, with, with no ounce of doubt, and then we will be, that's not what it's about. It's about loving God enough, doing for God. Jesus has the power over death by simply his word. It says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is dead in the grave. He's not faithing in the grave. He's not like really, like, like, Lord, please, 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 and praying prayers like that. All he is doing is responding to the word of God. And we have that same call. That we don't need to try and try and try and try. All we need to do is hear the word of God and respond. Now there's going to be some things that we need to take off. Lazarus was still in his grave clothes. People came and they started, look, you're not dead anymore, buddy. You need to take those off. It stinks. We start walking with Jesus. We respond to the word of God. And we begin to walk with him. And our grave clothes start coming off. Because the God who loves us so much, he wrapped himself in humanity, wore our sins, and and took them to the cross. And he already ruled over death, but he did it for us. He took away the sting of death so that we may have life and life abundant. And all we have to do is respond to the word of God. Lord God, I pray, as we think about these things, Lord, that we would understand all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that we would would be able to understand the love that is incomprehensible, the love that makes no sense. Lord, that we would be able to begin to understand a person that makes no sense. How can you be fully God and fully human? I don't understand, Lord, but I believe. Build our faith. Help us to to walk in, in response to your word. And as the discomfort of of our death falling off of us, Lord, and on our road to to salvation and becoming holy and becoming more like you, Lord, give us the, the energy to continue to respond to your word.